3: strange familiars if you've had an experience with something strange a bigfoot encounter or an encounter with another cryptid a ghost ufos anything strange and you'd like to share your story on the
4: podcast
3: please send us an email strange podcast at gmail.com or you can go to strange and find all our contact information there we got another long show for you this week in the second half we'll talk to crystal who has several strange experiences but first we're going to talk to troy and hear some of his experiences including a tale of a haunted fiddle that's been passed down through his family
5: Primarily a violinist. I've uh, been playing since I was a little kid and violin teacher now as well. And, uh, I do some sound art and play some neo folk bands and other types of bands and things like that.
3: That's awesome. Uh,
5: so the fiddle was my my, well, my grandpa gave it to me after I started playing. And he would keep, uh, he, he didn't play himself, but he kept the violin in his attic and was really excited about me playing uh, so that he could share it with me because it was his grandfather's violin. So it was my great grandfather's violin. I think in the picture you can see that he carved his name in the back of the instrument
4: mm-hmm. uh,
5: Chess Renford, Charles Renford. And my grandpa would tell me that he would hear it playing in the attic. There were strings on it, and it was set up, and he did a little bit of work. When he ended up giving it to me, I did get it worked on a little bit, but doing a little research, I found out that it was uh, purchased through Sears and Roebuck. Back in the day, their catalogs had some of the, they probably were one of the biggest importers of string instruments.
3: Yeah, I in, mean, the, in, yeah. The, in the early 1900s, that's where you got your, yeah. your instruments, I mean, if you lived out in the middle of nowhere.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny to think about how people are so worried about buying instruments on eBay or something like that now, but they're probably doing something very similar then, though I don't know if he ordered or not. He immigrated to the Milwaukee area of Wisconsin from Germany, and he became a fisherman on a fishing boat, a captain of a fishing boat on Lake Michigan. Well, my grandpa told me that he drowned in Lake Michigan and Crew, they just had a small crew at the time. Like, had heard him playing. You would always play up on the deck at night, and they heard him playing. And then, and then he wasn't playing. They don't know if like the mast swung around and hit him in the back of the head and knocked him in the water, or uh, you know he was a drinker too, so maybe he had a little bit too much and drowned that way, or maybe just committed suicide. But the violin was placed very neatly at the edge of the boat uh, as to not confuse anyone to think that. he you know, Dropped it in, so maybe that rules out falling in. I don't know. Anyway, my great uncle then inherited the violin in Pickerel, Wisconsin, and this was during the Prohibition era. So I have all these great recipe books for whiskey, uh, rye whiskey, and moonshine and things like that that they were brewing in in Pickerel.
3: Like like, uh, handmade ones.
5: Yeah, so it's oh, it like awesome. an, ice, uh, an ice cream shop or whatever they would call it, you know. To, um, where they would, and uh, apparently John Dillinger would make trips up uh, all the time to buy their alcohol. My grandma would talk about seeing him in, in the car when he would come by, and then she would like jump in the ditch and hide, and hmm. be worried about getting like shot or something. But she, and actually, well, she passed away now too. But I got the recipe books for all of these. Uh, these whiskeys from her she has a bunch of like the equipment that they used in the distillery all this copper piping and stuff probably wouldn't work now but sort of on my bucket list to brew some of those at some point in my life but the fiddle then became the shop fiddle they would play it there when um, they would have parties and uh, my uncle apparently fell asleep uh, while he was supposed to be watching the distillery and it caught fire and well, kind of blew up caught fire. Not really sure which one, but uh, it burnt down. Uh, a couple people died in the fire, but the uh, violin didn't burn up. And from there, it ended up in my grandpa's attic. And now I have it. And so when I play this violin, <clears throat> uh, which I don't do often, I have a few instruments and, and sort of save it for special occasions, but sometimes we'll go out to, uh, we built a hunting shack, out on the property where the distillery burnt down. And when I play it out there, I've had um, a couple people out before, and they say they smell smoke when I'm playing it. I don't smell the smoke myself, but I I do taste liquor. And it's not even just like tasting liquor. I actually can feel liquid in my mouth, and I taste like a rye whiskey when I play this. And not all the time, but uh, there was some music that we found with it too, some uh, A lanyard. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Like a German polka, and uh, my sister is also a violinist. She played it out there one time, and she has not drank whiskey prior to this. But I remember she (laughs) she's like, "Oh God, what is this taste in my mouth?" And uh, when she played it, so
3: wow. um, Are there traditional kind of songs that have been sort of passed along with the fiddle?
5: Nobody taught me. My grandpa didn't play, and so I'm not sure. Like I said, I found uh, some music just kind of scratched on some paper. And so I learned those, and they they sort of sound like a Cleveland polka or something. Not something I'm t- too interested in, but uh, mm-hmm. that was what I, I sort of built a couple tunes off of that melody that I found there.
3: When your grandfather heard it playing in the attic, was it tunes he recognized ever?
5: He didn't tell me. I should have asked him that. He actually wasn't one to talk about these kinds of things very often. So what he did say about it was pretty limited. And it was sort of just in passing. It wasn't like, well, here's this this haunted violin or something. It's just, oh, yeah. And, and sometimes I hear it playing in the attic. And not, <laughs> now that I think back on it, it's like, why didn't I ask him more about that? <laughs> sort of feel like that with everything with him regarding conversations we had.
3: Yeah. Well, I know sometimes the, the old timers, you have to catch him in the right mood to get them talking at all. They, yeah. They were very, um, uh, sparse with their words. Some of them.
5: Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, uh, kind of doing some research into this and, and, um, looking back at other parts of my life and, and trying to find the right word for it or, this is like terms like ancestral possession come up or I've been like looking at genetic memory, things like that. And it does seem to relate to these other things that seem to be happening to me in my life. Um, you could say it's sort of like a recurring dream, but it's not always a dream. Um, and a lot of uh, like poltergeist trickery when I was a little kid, I grew up in a haunted house. A little boy died in my closet. Um, my parents didn't tell me about it for the longest time. He died in a fire there, and things would fall off the shelves at the closet. I used to check it with a level, and the shelves were totally level. Little marbles that I didn't know I had would like roll across the floor at night. And I had a bunk bed uh, when I'd wake up in the morning. I never slept on the top bunk. I slept on the bottom bunk, and I'd wake up in the morning, and there were- the sheets would be ruffled like somebody had been sleeping in it.
3: When you say there are have- marbles you didn't know you had, I mean... Could could we be talking about like a ports here, like
5: like something What's
3: just it? like something that just comes out of nowhere, you know that 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 you didn't actually have?
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, and later on, we um, my parents did a lot of work on that house and like remodeled everything in it, and they tore off the siding. And there was it's it's a pretty old. It was a built around the turn of the century and they didn't have insulation inside there was a bunch of newspapers stuffed in where there would be insulation some of the newspapers were whole and I have this memory I talked to my dad about it he denies it now <coughs> my parents denied all of these things uh, as a child you know, I'd like try to talk to him I guess I should have prefaced this too I grew up in a Catholic household is pretty strict uh, but I have this memory of finding some of the papers that actually had and it, you know memory is kind of tricky I I don't. I'm not sure about this, but uh, I seem to remember finding these newspapers, and I went to look in the library and I couldn't find them. But had, uh, there was something—an article about the house having caught fire, and about this child. I do know that they wouldn't let me in the attic for the longest time, and uh, until after he had, re- my dad had remodeled the attic and like covered up all the rafters and everything with drywall, but I did go up there afterwards and there's some places that he missed or that you can see inside of and um, like the, the attic is all scorched. The, I mean, they, they replaced a lot of the beams, but they left all of the ones that had burnt up in there and you can see that there was like a massive fire. And my So my bedroom at was at the end of the long hallway in the upstairs like in the attic that's like where the bulk of what I can find to be like the, the ashes and the burnt rafters from so since then um, kind of like keeping the violin in the story i grew up practicing with uh, the suzuki method and going to band camps and just, it was sort of like the main activity that i i did growing up just playing violin i would go to this camp in green bay and the it was on the campus there and we'd stay in the dorms which were tucked back in the woods there it's a really beautiful campus because it's sort of like deep in the woods it's unlike any of the other university of wisconsin campuses i've been on and my roommate that so the first time i had experienced something like this was there and my roommate said that i would wake up in the middle of the night and uh, like one night i jumped over him and totally uh, scared the daylights out of him and my eyes had, were like rolled back in my head and I tried to tip a fan on top of him and he said I was speaking, like yelling at him in German. Uh-huh. But I don't speak German. I've never had a German class before. So the sleepwalking thing, that was the first time I had noticed sleepwalking and my parents couldn't really deny that because then later on i have these memories of like waking up in, in strange places. And so they did have to kind of address that. Then when I was actually in college at the University of Stevens Point, my roommate there would tell me the same thing. He'd be like, he'd wake me up in the middle of the night and be like, "Dude, you're you're speaking in like fluent German," <laughs> and I told him to get a recording of me, but he never did. And I don't know if I told him this story prior to him telling me that or not. But
3: if you're going to get yelled at in any language, I think German is the scariest one. To be at <laughs> <laughs>
5: So I guess alcohol is another part of the that kind of plays a prominent theme in this because of the distillery and these other things. A buddy of mine, I was also going to talk about that woo. You use that word sometimes, woo. Oh yeah. Or woo, woo, woo is another one. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
5: yeah. I, I'm just learning. I'm learning about that <laughs> just now. And I wonder if these things are woo or not woo. Or have any relationship to them? Anyway, he he talks about alcohol it's a a binary star and it sounds a lot like alcohol but it's like the demon star I was just thinking about that there was some podcast that you had done that sorry I'm sort of going off on tangents now oh
3: no I'm trying to recall I don't I'm so bad with the astronomy and astrology I'm I'm really not I had to look up a whole thing uh, for the book I'm working on now about the winter triangle and, and get familiar with it again, because it's been too many years since I've had any astronomy classes.
5: Uh, so thinking of like those things, as like genetic memory or uh, I, I get these stories or like, um, it's not a voice that I'm hearing, but in, and since I was a kid, I always had these, we get these, these ideas for things that just like they come to me as like a whole complete idea It's usually like if I'm forming an idea or something and like working it out as I go through it. But I'll get these thoughts that sort of just like get zapped into my mind. And they're like stories. They're about people. And I almost experience them from a different perspective. And sometimes I wonder about like where those are coming from. So those are the examples that I sent you. There's uh, two of them. Thinking about that, like sort of ancestral. Memory or like a genetic memory. When those come to me, they're kind of curious stories uh, that often have to do with fire or alcohol or like these thematic things that seem to keep popping up, and all of these little hauntings or like
3: strange
5: things that happen to me.
3: I have Prelude and Genetic Memory too. uh,
5: Yeah, start with Prelude. You you can stop it when the piano part comes, and there's some music at the end, and you can just
0: okay. on the first anniversary of your passing I set fire to our house to ease the pain but as I stood in the woods watching it burn I saw your face through the kitchen window standing where you used to read and brush your hair
5: I believed it was you I believed you were there, and I ran to be with you. Now I'm forever looking out this window,
0: watching for you to return from the woods.
5: That was something that I had pre recorded, and it was a little bit more planned out to make part of something. And then I just recorded this other one couple days like after I had sent you the email I was like well I should kind of round that out and make another one because I I have a bunch of them I don't always record them but again they're like that one is something it's something that like occurs to me since I was a little kid it's like one of the first memories I have but it's not a memory that's my own it still happens now and there's another one that I just recorded then and and I, I hear it and I feel it in in this sort of accent. I, I don't do it very well, but you can, you can listen to it.
2: There's a tree up there at Wonder Lake. Just north of the mill. you know it when you see it. The stems of its leaves are
5: keys to a world whose heart ain't broke. I go there
2: to that world when the heartache settles in, wade in with a handful of them till the water is neck deep. The door's down there in the mud. You'll feel it. you pass through turn around and look at where you stepped out you
5: see a little worm munching on something gold here's the important part
3: so these are for lack of a better word sort of uh, downloaded for you into you rather
2: the
5: best way I could describe them is like a waking dream like it just is something that occurs to me but I'm not trying to think of it and, and when it when it strikes me it's sort of I'll be in the middle of doing something else and it'll just strike
4: me and do you feel like you're,
3: you're maybe channeling ancestors
5: yeah yo know, yeah absolutely so that that's what that's what I think is happening with the the fiddle too I think it's my great-grandfather yeah I think I'm tasting that liquor that they that they made there,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and then I, I have these memories too of uh, seeing, you know, as, as a this was more when I was younger, but just seeing different faces in the mirror, and they kind of relate to some of the things that you've talked about in in past episodes. Typically, old women, <laughs> which was terrifying as a kid. I would be completely frozen with fear when it would happen.
3: Always the same mirror or different mirrors.
5: Different mirrors. There's like some examples where one of my family members, uh, my, my uncle's house, I would be down in, in the basement and he had two mirrors lined up so I could see in one mirror that would be like directly in front of me. And I would see this blue woman, this old blue woman with curly hair and be totally paralyzed with fear, wondering if I was like, you, you know, wetting my pants. I was so terrified and not able to move. But I could just glance out of the corner of my eye at this other mirror that would be just off on the right, and I, it would be me there. So I would see like myself in one mirror and this blue woman, who I thought her name her name came to me as as Mary. At the time I didn't make the connection, but I'd been doing a little bit of research into like and apparitions. Though this doesn't seem to quite fit the bill for that, just because it was um, it doesn't look like any any picture of Mary that I've seen. Before.
2: Well, I,
3: uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I ever specifically talked about it on the podcast, but I had a sort of a fevered hallucination. I don't know if you want to call it a vision or not. And I had a very unlike, uh, you know, your typical presentation of Mary. It was a very kind of haggard old woman. She was in black you know, that in any other situation, you would probably not consider it Mary, but for whatever reason, it was like, I just knew that was Mary, even though it looked like no other representation of her. And if she was very kind of old and, and hag-like really, but very comforting presence in this instance.
5: Do you have any relatives named Mary? Um, a cousin, but this is very recent, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So my grandmother's name was Mary, and I I just, since I've been doing genealogy, i come from a long line of uh, women named mary i went to a school named saint mary's as a kid so when i say like a marian apparition and and i said to you know i grew up in a catholic school in a catholic church and but yeah mary is a different it could could be something else i don't know
4: mm-hmm. sure
5: but this this blue woman I, I used to see a lot when i was a kid and when you're talking about bigfoot sometimes i I can relate to seeing a woman in white out in the woods. Oftentimes, uh, more in my teen years, we used to do a lot of ghost hunting. And there's a kind of a popular tourist site for uh, orbs in Michigan, in Watersmeet, Michigan, called the Paulding Light, and it's all it's it's pretty popular on YouTube for being debunked as having headlights that reflect uh, now, but. There's still people that show up there, and we, we used to drive there This prior to the YouTube, uh, I didn't really know about the headlights. And... Have you heard about that?
4: The
3: name's familiar, but, you know, probably just in passing.
5: Okay. As I mentioned, it's Watersmeet, Michigan. You go there, and you park, and there's, like, a, a barrier for the cars to park in front of. And typically, we would show up there, you know, after dark, and there would be, like, two or three cars, and people would just be sitting there, and you always see these lights, and they sound so similar to the lights that you described um, when you were, I, I don't remember which episode I should have n- noted that, but uh, you talked about like the two, they look like LEDs possibly. Um,
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, and then you time. see like two of them. You said, yeah, that was the one. And then the colors that change it looks so similar to that. And even the how they elongate into bars, like that's exactly something I saw that I used to see that all the time there. And so I went with a friend, and I, I would always be struck with this like overwhelming curiosity whenever we would go there. And everybody would always just camp up at the... There would be like a, a valley. You'd be up on one point, and then it would go downhill to the stream, and then uphill again. And there would be like a trail through the woods. And I'm so bad with uh, proximity. I'm a really right brain person, so it's hard for me to describe how far it was. It was, it was very far away but nobody would go down or like hike to look for it but I did <laughs> we, we went looking for it or trying to follow it couldn't get to it but had been walking all night looking for it and then the sun started to come up and the friend that I was with uh, left me alone he, he like got scared or tired or something and but I kept going and uh, the sun came up, was coming up. And I remember just barely being able to see these orbs that I was trying to find or approaching. It could have been because I was so tired, or yeah, maybe I'd, I don't think I brought any water with me. Maybe I was thirsty or something. But I saw what looked like a person just standing there with a sheet over their head, and it was so <laughs> so stupid. I, I I thought it was a- actually a person standing there with a sheet over their head and I was just like what what is this who is trying to prank me here and started to approach that I don't I wouldn't do this now I mean, if there was somebody out in the <laughs> woods with a sheet over their head I would I would not do this but approached this thing and it seemed to move at the same distance uh, so it kept the same distance between us and at that point I realized that it was levitating And as I would get closer, it would change a little bit. It would get brighter or dimmer and uh, longer and just kind of subtle shifts in in its appearance. I had followed it probably for about 15 minutes. And then the sun came up and it was so bright that it sort of couldn't see it anymore. It dissolved. So at the time, I didn't really have any way to explain it, but... Again, sort of relating that back to the Marian apparition, I feel like it might have something to do with the blue, the the blue woman mm-hmm. that I used to see.
3: Did you get the impression it was a woman, or just it was just sort of human shape?
5: Um, it was sort of the same way that I felt like the woman that I would see in the mirror. Her name was just. It was just an intuitive sense. I felt that it was a woman. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And sometimes you're, you're given that information somehow you know, it's, it's hard to explain how Yeah, I was trying to explain on one of the patron shows that I was given this phrase and then a, a mental pat on the head when I got it right, which is the most bizarre thing to, to try to explain to people, but I don't know how else to explain it. You know, it's like, like, yep, you got it. Yeah. So this area that people have supposedly debunked, is it possible that people are seeing both reflection of car lights and other stuff? You, Cause car lights don't, tend to turn into bars and change colors, you know.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I watched it's been a while since I've I've watched those videos, but there was somebody from like they were doing a graduate project and they went out with uh, like some night camera telescope that they had and you could see the cars and they showed how they changed the headlight colors and because of the types of things they were reflecting off of and how it would change the shape. Mm. So I, I, I don't quite remember, but and that's the thing. It doesn't, to say that, you know, I don't know what it was or to say, you know, I believe in this or I believe in that is sort of a tricky thing because we, everybody's attracted to that site for those lights and that's why we would go there. And at the time I believed it, would, I, you know, I, didn't, I had no idea that anyone had even proposed it was headlights, but to find something completely different than that out there Without anyone having mentioned it, that, that was something else. Yeah, that was with a buddy of mine that I had gone out the first time, and I gone out a couple times after that. And again, I took my sister. She played violin because I play violin, and she gets, got into like ghost stories and audit Wisconsin things, similarly to myself. And so I took her there, and she wanted to go on the hike and, and look for it. And um, she, we got down to the place at the valley where the stream had runs through i don't know if it's there anymore it was a pretty small stream at the time but it was the middle of summer it was a hot day and sometimes you know if there's water running in a low place you could see a little bit of your breath or something it was not but you could see her breath like it was winter and she's like feel my skin and i touched her and she she was like an icicle she was so cold and I was, like, sweating. We were wearing shorts and, you know, summer clothes. And she said, I can't go any farther. <laughs> so we went back. And that was the second second or third time, I think, that I went.
3: Ah, that's really interesting, though, because it's one thing for a person to say, I feel cold, but to have that visual of, you know, her breath.
5: Yeah, and I could see her hair standing up and, like, the goosebumps. And It was like, she was scared. She said she was scared, but it was... She was just cold, too. She was shivering, I remember. Wow.
3: The Genetic Memory 2 piece that we played, it's, those sound, well, there are certainly instructions there. Now, is this a place that exists on Earth, do you feel like, that he's you know, talking about in that clip?
5: So I was in first grade, and I remember my, my teacher was Sister Mary Michael, and that that idea came to me then. I remember telling her that, and uh, I think she made me go to church and pray. Um, <laughs> I just get the sense that it, there's a. a <laughs> it sounds so silly when I say it. Just, I, 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 I feel like there's gold somewhere. And the thing is, my dad wouldn't talk to me about a lot of these things when I was younger. And but later, my mom told me that. The reason that they had even remodeled the house is because he pulled up the floorboards because he suddenly had the overwhelming sense that there was gold there. Hmm. And I didn't make that connection until a little later in life.
3: Well, the idea of varied treasure of some sort, and now it's not always gold, it's not always you know, a box of coins or anything like that. Sometimes it's just the idea of something valuable in the ground. A lot of times it's a, a lost mine, for instance. This comes up, all the time with all kinds of paranormal stuff. It's, yeah, it's just, it's one of the questions I ask if I go out on a Bigfoot investigation. I just ask, was you know, is there something? Any stories of buried treasure or something? You know, mines or anything around here? And uh, incredibly often, people say, "Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's a legend of uh you know buried gold or there's a, supposed to be a silver mine around here somewhere." Right. So I mean, that checks a box for me. Mm. So you feel like those are instructions possibly to treasure.
5: Well, I feel like that's part of it. I feel like it's somebody else's desire to find treasure. I don't feel like it's my own desire. In the way that my mom described it to me with my dad, too, I feel like something must have come over him because they bought this house together. And yourself included, you know, if you have a, a, a child or children, one of the primary instincts is to um, make sure that you have a, a decent house mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to, to, be in, to live in. And the last thing you want to do is start ripping it up and, not be able to finish it. Maybe, maybe some people do, I don't know, but it seemed unusual to me that he would have been so aggressive about tearing up the house all of a sudden.
3: This property is the property that it's still in the family, in other words. Yeah. So do you think that you know the tree that this, I'll just say, this entity, whatever was speaking through you in in a sense, do you think you know the tree that it was speaking of?
5: Um, No. Well, sometimes I, I like have Trees that stand out to me when I'm outside, and I'll think of that. I'll think of that tree, but it's always kind of after the fact. Mm-hmm. Just the way the light will hit them. or Sometimes you see, it. but, but I, th- I think that's pretty common, though.
3: It's interesting that it came to you so young, though, and it, I mean, it, and that it would stick with you.
5: Yeah, well, and the the other one too. So, I mean, the idea of the house burning. I'm really unsure about what you know what I might have invented about that, you know, relating to the poltergeist activity and and the child. That I do believe that, but I wish I could find proof is the thing. You know, I wish I could find proof of a a, a boy having died there in a fire. Mm -hmm. But that one has come back quite a bit, too. And I think the, the windows there, too, relate to the mirrors that I would always see these things in. And I was, you know, I, my grandma had this huge picture frame window and I would just, I would spend the nights there a lot of times just sit and stare outside. And sometimes I'd see things out there too. A lot of times I, I would see like dogs. I would always have these black dogs that like, I thought they were my dogs, but I could never look them directly on. They would always be sort of off uh, in my periphery and they'd be so fast that it was almost like they thought it was fun to have me not see them straight on. But I knew that they were
3: there. Um, and these were in the
4: house?
5: No, they'd typically be outside, actually. I'd usually see them outside. And a lot of times if I was looking outside, when I was inside, I would see the dogs outside.
3: Yeah, that's very interesting. And were they uh, normal-sized?
5: Yeah, they, I, I didn't really see them as demon dogs, necessarily. They were more like Black Lab's. Mm-hmm. but uh, really really sleek and just so so black, so dark.
3: That's interesting.
5: The sleep paralysis is another thing. I mean, I think I mentioned the sleepwalking, but I mean, I would have like horrible, horrible sleep paralysis when I was a kid and I still do sometimes where it feel like the um, threads of the sheets would like turn into like rope, like really thick rope and it just hurts to like rub against your skin. And you just wow. like kind of feel it like getting sucked into the Thread of the sheets. There's a huge Nazi presence Here in Wisconsin They took a bunch of prisoner uh, They had like prisoner of war camps
4: Mm -hmm.
5: They weren't actually Prisoner of war camps Uh, They would just like give them cars And give them farms and give them land And uh, a lot of people after the war Just stayed here Or went back and then came back And there's like certain buildings Where they, they clearly had housed them There's, like, little swastikas in the um, keystones above the windows and and weird things like that that people don't really seem to talk about very much. But And you go to, like, the flea markets and you find all this Nazi paraphernalia.
4: Hmm.
5: Um, It just kind of, like, connected with, like, the authoritarian thing that I was, like, talking about in the beginning with um, the Explorers program. And, like, I know you don't – I haven't heard you talk about, like, conspiracy too much, but it just sort of, like, makes me think of, like, MKUltra type of things and, and like creating a split this, that's another thing that comes up with this you talk about these things and it's just like well this is, these are like this is dissociative uh, identity it's like this split So
4: mm-hmm.
5: something I think about a lot or like had been like researching prior to having children is just like trauma and like childhood trauma
3: my father grew up across from a Nazi POW camp in, oh, really? in Maryland they didn't like to put him in Pennsylvania because they were afraid. Too many people spoke German here. They were afraid they were going to be sympathizers. So they put it, They put him down in Maryland. But they did take him to work on the farms up in Pennsylvania sometimes. And uh, there there are a couple uh, uh, camps in Pennsylvania. But for the, the big ones, I think were down in Maryland.
5: Yeah, I think that there's a, a similarity. Because Wisconsin is primarily German people, too. There's a hexologist. I, uh, I have a, I got a sign from him. He did that's in Pennsylvania. I can't think of his, uh, Hunter Yoder. Do you know him?
3: The name is familiar. That, that Yoder family is big in, in like the folklore studies around here.
5: Yeah. Um, okay. Oh yeah. There's so this Just, there's kind of a hokey cryptid here. Um, there's a town near to us called Rhinelander. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if there's a hodag. Have you heard of the hodag before?
3: I have, and uh, I'll tell you why. Because here, there, a guy called me up and said, "We don't have Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. We have hodag." And I said, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Well, it's a it's a big hairy thing. It's it's like a man, but it's big and hairy. It's you know eight foot tall, and it lives on the mountain." So w- this little community here calls you know whatever what, what happens to be their hairy wild man. They call him a hodag but when I looked it up, I got the hodag in Wisconsin.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. It's more like a cat lizard.
3: Yeah, yeah. In
5: Wisconsin, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a weirder four legged thing, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: And I don't know whether someone heard that name and just thought, well that's the name for, you know, something that lives you know, something creepy or whatever and it just became that or or why that name in this little and it's not used all over Pennsylvania, it's just this one little community. That's what you you get those pockets of that like, uh, Hodag and Gum Devil and I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are, are just kind of completely localized names for these things.
5: Yeah, obviously, like there's a lot of a lot of the towns here are named for like uh, the Native American uh, places that had been here prior. Talk to some of the local. Native Americans, they they totally they said no. That's just something that white people made up <laughs> to sell to get people to move here. <laughs> but it's based off of something uh, that they talk about, but it's it's different than a
1: cryptid, so Yeah,
3: there was a whole book of uh, like uh, critters that that they said like loggers would see, and there were all these like weird things with like you know propellers on them and, and just just crazy stuff that I think somebody made it. Essentially, were they were making children's books, you know. Yeah, uh, but they were creating these these sort of creatures, I think. But so some of those names, you know, and the creatures themselves, kind of entered folklore. Troy, thanks for speaking with us tonight.
5: Yeah, thank you, Timothy.
3: And if you uh, if you want to share any more music or, or any more audio, like send it along.
5: Absolutely, no, looking forward to the future strange familiars.
3: We will end this segment with a brief sample of a song that Troy is playing on the Haunted Fiddle he talked about in the interview.
4: I want to thank, as always, our patrons. Without our
3: patrons, we cannot make Strange Familiars. And if you'd like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars and get extra shows to boot, please consider becoming a patron at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. At just $3 a month, you get extra shows. We try to do two full extra shows for patrons every month. We guarantee to do at least one. Last month, we did three. The first patron show for March should be out soon. It's called The Mysterious Disappearance at Seven Devils. If you can afford more than $3 a month, you can get physical rewards like pins, patches, t-shirts, and more. There are several levels of support. You can just go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars and look at all the different levels there. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, and you'd still like to help, you can go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com and there you can find a paypal.me link. And that's a great way of helping as well. Another way you can help, which is free, is to leave us five-star reviews at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast. And don't forget to share the podcast episodes on social media as well. That's another help. And now we're going to go to Crystal and hear her stories of a near-death experience, talking cats, and an apparition of a cat head, and a strange orb in the basement of her house. Tonight we're talking with Crystal, who has had a number of experiences. You contacted me through the strange familiar's gathering group in a survey there and mentioned that you'd had a number of different experiences. Let's start with uh you said you had an early kind of near death experience?
0: Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just get into the story, I suppose. What had happened was uh, uh I was maybe about I would have to check the years for for sure how old I was, but it was uh, probably when I was about 5 or 6. We had just moved into this new house, and uh, I it, we ended up getting carbon monoxide poisoning because it was just really terrible. Colorado is really renowned for like this awful <laughs> spring s- snows where we get like snowed in and there's drifts just like ten feet tall. Not maybe not that tall, but right right. Um, it, it was a uh, pretty bad spring storm, and it, so we ended up getting snowed in, and it started out like that I had heard some of my my brother come upstairs, and he was saying something, and, and so I, you know, a little kid, I wanted to join the party, and, and so I, I made an excuse to get up, and the moment I got up, I just knew there was something off, and it turned into a really awful night where, I mean, I was so small that... Carbon monoxide poisoning just really gets to you fast when you're that big. And I ended up, uh, long story short with that, I ended up passing out and I don't remember much of the night except that I was really sick. And then the ambulance came along. My mom had called the poison control and been like, no, you need to get send someone here because um, we have carbon monoxide poisoning, and she worked at a hospital, so she knew for sure that it was bad news and that we weren't just, like, flu-type sick. And so they got the amb- ambulance to come there, and uh, apparently I didn't have any kind of, like, I wasn't responding or anything. And, and so uh, meanwhile, while that all was happening, I... Uh, had been having this entire experience where the main thing that I remember from it was it was this really beautiful, warm place. I often described it as a firelight, uh, but I didn't really know (laughs) as a kid what it was. I just knew that I was like going to this place. And the weird thing about it is that I didn't meet any kind of like relatives, or I know a lot of people describe he- relating or meeting religious f- figures, yeah. but I, I didn't meet any of that. I actually met these cats, and I don't know if that was because I was so small when that happened that that was the most comforting thing to me, was animals. I, I'm not sure what that was about, but...
3: Just normalish cats? I mean... Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well... To a point, (laughs) one of them came up to me and talked to me, so I don't think that was quite normal. But uh, he he came up to me and was like, Hey, Crystal, I know you're really having fun here, but you need to go back. And I argued with him for a really long time. I was like, no, I'm not going back. It's really nice here. And he was like, no, you you really should. Your your mom still needs you. And... It's just not time yet and So we argued back and forth for a while and finally he the way he convinced me was that It was that I'd be able to meet him again, and he gave me a specific number and and then I was like Are you sure and he goes yeah? Yeah, we'll meet again. I promise and I went, okay I guess I'll go back for you know if you promise that and and so the next thing that I remember After getting really sick is waking up in the ambulance and like right before they put me in and I remember seeing all the snow around and these giant drifts and then I remember like the really intense green light of the ambulance and getting a oxygen mask shoved in my face and but I I was fine after that I was like yeah I I just was with the cats in the light so I'm good Wow. Um,
3: now, you said he I, gave you a number that, like, you'll see him in, was that a number of
0: years? Well, that's what my family and I had thought for the longest time, was that it was like a age, but it, the time came and went, and nothing happened, and thankfully, sure, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really want to go through that kind of pain again. Well, um, right,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, can I ask what the number was, just out of curiosity?
0: Yeah, Um. so it was the number 19. Okay, and that actually connected up to a lot of. Uh, I I do have some occult practices that I work with right now, and that's kind of my spiritual path. And it's really weird because that number actually matches up to some of the stuff that I've been doing there. Interesting. <laughs> and so, yeah, that really kind of weirded me out when that started happening. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, So I think it was a little bit more symbolic rather than a literal number Mm
4: -hmm.
0: or literal age, which, I again, I'm thankful for because I don't really want (laughs) to have to go through that. Well, sure,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, this is bizarre detail, but I'm just Mm -hmm. absolutely curious. What kind of cats were they? (laughs) Do you remember? What?
0: they were house cats from what I can remember because I I started my mom didn't know anything that had happened during that night because I mean she was really sick too Mm -hmm. so it didn't really occur to her when they were like oh she doesn't have vitals and and then we were on a walk and I started describing the experience to her and she started getting chills and and I was describing uh, I know I remember saying that there was black and white cat and the one that talked to me was this big orange tabby, and the whole reason why the conversation was started in the first place was that we saw an orange tabby walk across our path, and I just bolted after it. And she was like, "Okay, this isn't my daughter. This isn't normally what she does." So she grabbed me and she was like, "What in the world are you doing? You're not. You don't ever chase after cats. You know better than that." And and I'm like, "Yeah, but that's orangey cat and." That's how the conversation got started. Is She was like, who in the world? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so they were just... It was very odd that they were just regular cats. Like, it, I didn't... I don't know. I, You would think that they would be, like, something interesting, like a big tiger or something. But um I don't know. I think cats were just, like, such a big thing for me at that age that... know I mean...
3: I almost like it better that they were just normal cats and and that one spoke. I mean, I absolutely love that. And it just fits with so much of this other stuff that they would give you that weird information that doesn't quite compute. You know, like this. Yeah. He said, I'll see you again and just gave you a number without saying, like, in 19 years or just, I'll, you know.
0: Yeah. So he just
3: Um, kind of fed you this number without any specifics.
0: Yeah, there was no context around it. He he was just like, I'll see you at 19. Oh, at
3: 19. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Okay. I mean, the first the first thing that my family and I had thought of um, after I described that to her was, of course, age. Because, I yeah, mean... Right, yeah. Yeah, she knew what was going on. I, I didn't... I just knew that it was like a place. And to, so she, her first thought was near death. Um, because she remembered that they're like were not getting any vitals on her or anything, and and so that was her first thought was potentially like an age. And
3: can I ask how old you are now?
0: Yeah, um, I'm in my 30s now, okay. uh, 31.
3: So did, when you were when you were 18, did did you start getting nervous?
0: A little bit. I I was actually. So here's another interesting heard about the whole thing that I really relate to when I hear about a lot of near-death experiences is that I hear a lot of people saying that like they kind of go through depression afterwards and I remember having that as a really young kid because there was like this really like heavy sorrow that I wasn't there and that it was a very I don't know this place feels very heavy and dark and so for the longest time, like I actually was kind of looking forward to that day and like, okay, well maybe something will happen. And I know that sounds kind of like morbid and crazy, but like part of me when I was 18 was like, okay, yeah, it's almost time. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I don't know how this all works. And, and 19 passed. And so there was like half of me that was kind of, that did this like sigh of relief, like, Oh, good. Right. <laughs> and the the other half of me that, you know, went through that depression was kind of like, "Well, shoot. What did they mean?" Like I want to go back and So, yeah, it was it was a very I don't know, like going past that age was uh it, there was kind of a little bit of attention and I I remember too like my family, like my mom and one of our close friends at the time were both kind of nervous and like I don't know if you should drive, Crystal. <laughs> you might just want to not do anything crazy or dangerous. And
2: <laughs> Right, right. And
3: like,
0: come on, I, I gotta live life still. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, that's the thing. If it's that planned out, then, uh, the you know, build Donnie Darko, you, a, a plane engine will fly out of the sky or something. Right. But And, uh,
0: and there, there's the whole thing, too, of, like, the self-fulfilled prophecy. Like, you don't want to... End up doing something that (laughs) right, yeah.
3: There were uh, some other strange things that seemed to follow in the heels of the NDE.
0: Yeah, so the house that I grew up in, in general, was just kind of an odd place. The one that kind of sticks on my mind, and I've always I've been looking for, (laughs) you know, possibilities of what this might be. About a uh, two years, I, I want to say, after uh, the near-death experience, um, I was probably like seven or eight when it happened. But I, I had woken up in the middle of the night and my family always described me as like, oh, Crystal, you have too much imagination <laughs> and stuff. And sometimes they were right. Like sometimes it would just be stuff that is like, oh, Never mind, that's not an alien, it's a sock.
4: Right. (laughs) Like,
0: silly things like that. But this, I really can't explain. It was, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was, we had, at that time, gotten a new cat, and he happened to be orange. Uh, But it didn't really click with me there uh, about the cats in the light and stuff. But the cat was sitting in kind of like a dark corner right by this rocking chair that i had but it was just like a cat head (laughs) and um but it didn't click with me i i thought it was the cat that we had just bought recently and so i kind of called him over and it just kind of sat there and stared at me and so i was like all righty well (laughs) um i don't know why he's not coming over to me but i'm just gonna go back to bed and and so i turned over And I just had this feeling of like being watched. Like when you turn around and someone's staring at you and their eyes, like it just feels like their eyes are piercing through you. (laughs) And and so you have to just turn around and be like, what, what do you want? And I had that, a really strong feeling of that. And so I turned back around and it was still there. And I started feeling really uneasy about it because I was like, okay, I, it really feels like there's something more just watching me. And and I tried calling him over again and to put some of my thoughts at the time in context. <laughs> so my dad had yelled at me for, you know, not cleaning my room, uh, you know, being a little kid. Uh, and he was like, hey, you know, hey, uh you're gonna hurt one of your cats one day there's gonna be a fire or something and and that's really not good for the cats and you got to clean your room and so my thought when I was looking at this because it was just the head of a cat in of an orange cat I I was like oh my gosh what if my what if I accidentally hurt my kitty and you know something fell on top of him or something and that's why his head is just there And so my thoughts went to like a really dark place and I started brooding on it like oh my gosh what did I just do and I started feeling really nervous about it and eventually I came to the conclusion um, because I couldn't fall back asleep at that point uh, that okay well if something happened to him I'm eventually going to have to face up to the consequences I'm gonna have to You know, whether it's morning or right now, I'm going to have to see what happens. So I got up to go and check out this random cat head and um, I went to step on the floor and right before my foot hit the floor, light shot from the cat head to under my bed, like right under my feet. And that threw me off. And so I was like, okay, I don't know (laughs) what just happened and my mind was just kind of in this like limbo of like, what? And then I looked up at the head and, and it was still there. And, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And and so it, this was kind of like a horror movie, almost like in the horror movie, you're like, don't look behind the door. <laughs> you know, there's something bad back there. Like, you know, it's going to jump out and scare you. And, but I did it anyway. So I started like peeking my head over the bed to look under the bed and see what that the little string of light was and right before I was able to see under the bed this huge flash just flashed in my face and I fell back and I was you know blinded for a few seconds and when my sight and vision came back like I couldn't see the head anywhere and at that point I was like okay I know that was not my cat I have no idea what that was but I'm really disturbed now and and so Of course, little kid, I run straight to my parents' room and was like, yeah, there's weird things in my room. I don't know what's going on. And and then it continued during the day. It it was maybe about a week or two after that had happened. And I don't know, your parents always tell you that, like, or or at least my parents always told me that, oh, well, you know, these things only happen at night it's because you're asleep and you know all the spooky stuff happens at night you'll be fine and so I wasn't even thinking about this it it wasn't on my mind at all but I was playing in my room with the cat that I thought that that was but it the actual cat (laughs) and I was making like a little blanket fort for him and uh, I turned around to go get clothespin to help hold it up and in the meantime had stuck him under the covers (laughs) and uh, when i turned around under the bed right where the light had gone under uh, the head was there again just sitting under my bed and i was like okay i'm not gonna panic because (laughs) you know I, i was i have my cat with me and so clearly he went under the bed and this is my actual cat and not the thing that i saw that night so I, you know, kind of tried to keep myself calm. Walked over there, and I was expecting him not to be in the little tent that I made him. And opened it up, and he was laying in the tent. And so, yeah, what the it that was in fact the thing that I saw that night. And so I panicked and jumped up on my bed because at that point it's like floor is lava.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna touch the floor. Don't know what this is. And at first I was it really nervous and scared and i sat there for about 20 minutes just in fear just because i had no idea what was going on and and then something like a sound i think it was just a sound outside i don't think it was anything supernatural or odd but uh, a sound snapped me back into reality and i was like you know what this is actually kind of weird and cool (laughs) like it's it's not i don't know my family and Afterwards, I went and told my mom and brother, and they just kind of looked at me like, you are very strange, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and kind of continued with what they're doing. They're cleaning his room, and just they just kind of went, okay, and I mean, that's what kind of spurred me on to doing art, so much art, because I couldn't write very well back then, and so I was like, I have to draw this, This is this is very strange, it's kind of cool that <laughs> I'm actually seeing these things and, you know, maybe I can kind of bring it back to people by doing art. Um,
3: Did you end up drawing that?
0: I did. I made a painting of it. And I remember one of my friends and I were painting and I had made a painting of it and was describing it to her. And uh, I think she was a little bit unsettled by it too. (laughs) She was like, what crystal? And and then was kind of like, Oh, this must be a game. And (laughs) she kind of, did a thing about her dog and she's like, yeah, I saw my dog like that too. I'm like, okay.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Kids will do that, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
3: Did your pet cat react to it in any way that you noticed?
0: Um, I didn't notice. he didn't seem to react to it. He just seemed really relaxed the whole time. So I don't think he like picked up on anything or noticed anything about it.
3: He probably huh. sees it all the time. It's it's he's like, oh yeah, that's just the great cat lord. He's he he, yeah. he hangs out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. This this happens here a lot.
3: <laughs> no, that's that's so interesting. And is that the only yeah. time you saw it? The, were those two times?
0: Yeah, and then after that, I I did see. When I think back to the house, I remember always feeling watched in the house, and I didn't notice it until we moved. until we actually moved and the next house after that it's pretty much just dead like (laughs) there's nothing in it that I have to worry about and so it's like oh I can get up to get a drink of water and not feel like I'm being stalked this is kind of nice right yeah (laughs) there was also an orb of light in that particular house as well the orb appeared pretty frequently um but it wasn't like with the cat head or anything. The the cat head was a really bizarre anomaly and and mm-hmm. I, I didn't really connect it until later on and I was thinking about the the near death experience and how that was an orange cat. And so I'm not entirely sure they're connected like it might just be I don't know something kind of messing with me. It, and I definitely didn't connect it at the time. At the time it was just I was so panicked about it that (laughs) that's kind of all I was thinking about was I don't know what's going on. (laughs)
3: Sure, yeah. Did the orb always appear in the same place in the house or did it appear in different places?
0: The orb always appeared in basically the same spot, uh, which was kind of convenient because uh, that one was when I was about in middle school. And... uh, that was kind of nice because at that point I had a little bit more cognitive awareness. And so it was kind of nice being able to be like, Oh, this is a cool thing. I can actually like make sure that it's not any kind of like outside light. And I I can make sure that it's not any kind of like chemical reaction or a timed light. And so that was kind of fun when I was a kid, like trying to pinpoint exactly what it was and, but yeah it it was it was in the same spot each time, and
3: so did it move or was it like fairly stationary
0: it It was stationary it would do this weird thing where it would just very suddenly disappear it it was almost like a light in that regard where it was it was on or off basically, and um, my dad wouldn't let us set up the camping tent outside for whatever reason i I don't know why, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um so we would set it up in the basement area where it would appear and it, for whatever reason, if I tried to approach the orb or unzip the tent and approach it, like anytime I did that, it, or even if I left the tent open, um, it wouldn't appear or it would just like turn off. It would just kind of disappear, which that drove me up the wall because that meant I could only look at it through like the window of the tent and, I don't know. It just, it felt very restricted <laughs> in that way. And I just really wanted to like see it up close. So I I brought two friends because I really was excited about it. And I'm like, I know I'm not, I'm not the only one who can see this. And and so the first friend that I bought brought with me, she was like, oh my gosh, it's angels. Yes. I I totally want to see it. And I'm like, I don't know what it is, but you can come see it. <laughs> and, and it appeared for her, but she had been asleep and, and I woke her up. I was like, it's here. It it appeared. And I woke her up and and she kind of like woke up and she's like, it's so bright in here. And then she just fell right back asleep. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The coolest thing is happening and you're going to sleep. And so uh, she, she acknowledged it in the morning. She was like, yeah, it was definitely really bright in, in, in there. And I don't know what that is. And the second friend I brought over, got really spooked by it and she thought I was trying to play a prank on her. And so uh, I'm like, no, I've never played a prank on you. I don't know why I would do that. And it didn't appear for her for whatever reason.
3: What was the size of the orb basically?
0: Um, I would say it was about softball sized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not, not like super huge or anything. I do remember it too, having a slight color to it. It was like, maybe cyan uh, type blue. Mm-hmm. Like, not super cold blue, but um, not super warm either. Uh, which is why I wanted to get up close to it and see it, because I mean, it just, it looked so interesting, and yeah, it's it's a very strange why would it only allow for it to be, like, have the tent wall in between us, and because um, it almost, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, put human feelings onto it when I don't even know what it is. But, sure, yeah. But, I mean, it did seem like it was conscious of that or it, that it was aware that I was in the room just from the way that, because, I, I mean, I made multiple attempts to try to approach it and go up to it. And every time that I moved, it would just disappear. So... Yeah.
3: So about how many times, like if you had to guess, I know you said you saw it multiple times, but if you had to guess, you know, just about how many times did you see it?
0: Um, That's really hard to say. Um, Maybe like five to 10 times. Uh, Cause I remember it was over the course of a summer that I had, had it all set up. And that was about the same time my parents were going through divorce. So uh, right at, that time we were gonna sell the house and I, I remember distinctly going seeing it the night that I found out about that and <laughs> it was funny because like I was all crying to it and I'm like, oh I'm so sad that I'm never gonna see you again, Orb. And and then like I just got this feeling of like I really don't care. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah that's nice. I, oh I like care. from
3: from from the orb you mean like Yeah like <laughs> just a
0: very neutral like not understanding human emotions type thing right um and so i remember after that i had to pack up the tent and all of that and kind of take that away i i really wish i would have thought to actually like keep a journal of it and so that i could like refer back to it and see and have a few things like i i remember elim- eliminating like the outside light because I had like a light block thing on the window and looking around in the different boxes and stuff but I really wish I kept like a journal so I could say how many times I've seen it and how many times it appeared and for under what circumstances all of like that fun stuff but yeah I just didn't Little kid me, I guess. Oh yeah.
3: To... Oh no. Yeah. That's even <laughs> even uh, now as I as I do this stuff, a lot of times I'll I'll forget to write stuff down, and then uh, <laughs> like for instance, I was talking to a witness at a that Albertwitch Day festival, and uh-huh. he gave me some fantastic details, and I just realized today like I didn't write any of that down. I you know, oh. so I have to <laughs> you know, I tonight when we're done, I will be writing down you know the, the details from that witness, uh, but. Really? Uh, it's just, you know, you're in the moment and sometimes you forget to document stuff, especially when you're in it. Like, that's the thing, you know, people are like, why didn't you take pictures? Well, I was too busy looking at things. I, I didn't feel like taking It didn't even occur to me to pull out my camera and take pictures. I was way too busy just looking at this and, going, and being wowed, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and then there was so many times where, you know, I, I did try to approach it. And so, like, that was the first thing on my mind. And, of course, then it would disappear immediately after. And so... Like, well, that night's ruined. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Did, was it dependable? Like, was this like every time you were down at the tent or was it sometimes and yes and sometimes not?
0: Uh, Sometimes yes, sometimes not. It, it was consistent enough that, like I said, with the, the friends, I, you know, was able to invite them over and be like, come check this out. It's crazy. But uh, it wasn't so consistent that it was just every night. And I don't know if some of that was because I would fall asleep or, you know, it really just didn't appear that night, but
3: right. Yeah. And and you were comfortable enough to to sleep there. Like you didn't have any problems.
0: Yeah. 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 It didn't seem like it. I don't know that like now that I'm thinking of it, that is kind of odd that I wouldn't be a little bit more uneasy, but I think with that house, I was so used to how, the the creepiness of it that that didn't really phase me quite as much mm-hmm. um, i think it would now because now i think about going back to that house and like i remember a lot of the different like i remember faintly hearing footsteps and mm-hmm a friend and I had accidentally recorded like mysterious voices and like, there was all sorts of things that just really made me uneasy about the house. And so now I think back to it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I slept as a kid ever. (laughs) Like, and well, well, I
3: I mean, you don't have a choice after a while. There's, you know, lots of people live amongst poltergeist activity and all kinds of crazy stuff. And you got to sleep, you know, at some point you got to sleep. Exactly. And,
0: and I do remember my mom saying a lot that, I did have a lot of trouble falling asleep (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. And it wasn't just like an insomnia thing. It was like I just wouldn't go to sleep a lot of the time. And um, I think a lot of it was attributed to some of the odd things that happened there.
3: So tell me about these mysterious voices you recorded.
0: Yeah, that was uh, for one of my birthdays. I had gotten this little recorder it it was just a really cheapy thing it didn't even like save the recordings or anything it, it was just something you could talk into and then it would say your voice back and my friend and I had ran downstairs to tease my brother and we were gonna like record ourselves being like super annoying at him and <laughs> and, so, and we thought it was hilarious and we went down there and he turned out not to be in the room and but we were still all giggly. We go upstairs back to my room and we're listening to it. And there's these two voices, and, like going back and forth. It, it they weren't you couldn't really hear what they were saying. It was just almost like a whisper, like like they were just like going back and forth calmly, like. Psh, 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 uh if that makes sense. And then mm-hmm. um, and then uh, we were so weirded out and freaked out th- by it but both of us have kind of like a little bit of a overly curious mind <laughs> and so we we just looked at each other and we're like nope we're going back and <laughs> we both ran downstairs and this time we were really quiet and and tried to like be conscious of our own voices and what we were saying and stuff and then we ran back out uh, back upstairs and we heard the voices one more time um but this time they sounded almost like panicked and, and it was even more not distinguishable. It was like even more jumbled. Mm-hmm. But there they sounded like human voices, like like a male and female voice going back and forth. And we tried once more and unfortunately we didn't get anything after that. And <laughs> and you know then it recorded over the top and you were like, oh bummer. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that was really an oddball interesting thing and after that the I don't think I tried anymore after that yeah it was just an odd one off thing for that and we didn't we couldn't figure out where it was coming from because it, there was we couldn't hear anything from the outside and so we we have no idea like it just kind of was left as like okay well that was a mystery Voice there for you, and <laughs> right. You're like, all right.
3: Have all your experiences centered around this one house, or did uh, things kind of continue other places?
0: Um, most of the big stuff that, like, the orbs of light and the odd flashes of light, centered around that house. The only thing that seemed to follow me into the next house were these kind of like shadowy figures. And then those calmed down after a while, too, like when I was in my early 20s. And then they kind of came back when I started my spiritual path. And they came back for a short time and then just kind of evened out after that.
3: That's interesting. But
0: yeah, for the most part, the house was had the most visual stuff, I guess, or the most sensory type experiences
4: Mm -hmm.
0: if that makes sense yeah yeah
3: so these shadowy things are these things that you catch in full vision or they you know out of the corner of your eye kind of things
0: um they're uh, mostly out of the kind of the corner of the eye sometimes i'll just it's not like a quick thing like i I'll, i'll just see them at the side of my vision but they're still, like I can just see them there. I, I've only seen a couple of them like somewhat straight on and it, it it wasn't really like, I don't know. Like we had one in the place that I got my first job at and that one I would pick up a lot, but then it, I, I never had like as intense of an experience as some of the other people who worked there. Like someone had actually, was face to face with <laughs> with the thing, and yeah, it was like this, which that would have kind of spooked me a little bit. But like, because I I remember like seeing kind of more of a broad-shouldered, very tall guy that would just stand in the corner, and I just kind of like brushed him off a lot. And
3: he didn't wear flannel, she, did he?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. Um, I had to check. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, she, uh, one of the workers there, one of the RAs actually like ran into him. All the lights were turned off and they were doing, they had walked through the dining room and, and apparently she had like gone face to face with this and, and she saw the same thing, like big, tall dude, broad shoulders. And she was just like, she screamed at the top of her lungs and someone came running in and was like, are you okay? And. But, yeah, I, I never had, like, a run-in with that particular whatever was there. I, I've always seen them at, like, kind of the edge of my vision. And then...
3: Now, do you think it was something uh, particularly about your path that made you start seeing them around that time?
0: Um, That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure why I was seeing them. I know some of it was, I don't know, I I get the sense that some of it was just kind of because, like, I could see it because I, like, my cousin could see it, too. Like, he would describe them a lot, too. And I don't know. Like, I got the sense that they were kind of like, this sounds kind of mean, but, like, some of them were kind of, like, almost, like, leeching off me. Hmm.
4: Because
0: I did have one that was, like, but it wasn't like in the shape of a anything in particular. It was just like a cloud. And I remember that one time, like just filling the room and kind of like blocking my vision a little bit and going into panic mode. And, and so I kind of questioned like if that was whatever it is, is kind of like leeching off of people. <laughs> like, cause I didn't feel that way before it came around me. And like, I, I, was generally a happy kid. And so I don't know. It it just felt kind of like it was, I don't know, trying to get an emotional reaction from me.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: You wouldn't be the first person to to suggest that certain things are trying to solicit uh, reactions of some sort. I mean, most often people say, you know, fear or, uh, or some other sort of negative reaction that these, these other things are for lack of a better word, feeding off of, or, whatever the case may be.
0: Part of the reason I was so excited to talk to you, because I, I know that like, like I haven't heard an experience like that. And and so like, again, I'm trying to pull the meaning from it. Like white cats? (laughs) This is so bizarre. And, but it just, I don't know. It's, I, there's really, it doesn't feel like there's any kind of like rhyme or reason, or if there is, it's.
3: Have you in your life, Ever had sleep paralysis?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely.
3: Okay, yeah, that's just cool. a, a question I I've been asking. Well, I started asking the flannel man witnesses, and then I've expanded to everyone because mm-hmm. the you know skeptics like to use sleep paralysis as an explanation for all of these things, right? But I've come to find that it's almost like a like a side effect or something. That a lot of people who have sleep paralysis also have these other experiences, which they're sure they, you know, I I mean, I'm sure you'll, you'll confirm you weren't in a sleep paralysis episode when you were witnessing that orb Yeah, Mm -hmm. or or these other events. And uh, they're very insistent. They, the people with sleep paralysis, no, I know, I know the the difference between a sleep paralysis event and these other events. However, many, many witnesses to the paranormal also happen to have sleep paralysis. I don't know what that is or why. But yeah, it, I don't know if it's a side effect, but it's, it's just something I've been, I've been a- started to just ask everyone. And the majority of people I'm talking to are saying, yeah, they've had it. So either the majority yeah. of people in the world have sleep, you know, that may be the case, maybe just, but it seems like the majority mm-hmm. of people with paranormal experiences do have sleep paralysis experiences as well. So very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting because yeah, like you said, I I was definitely up and moving and, Right. not sleep paralysis. And yeah, I think that's part of the eerie part too, is, is knowing what sleep paralysis feels like and knowing what the visions during that time feel like and everything and, and knowing that the difference between the two, that, that almost makes it kind of a little bit eerier for me because I'm like, hmm, okay, yeah, that definitely was not.
3: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are very insistent that You know, these experiences that that they're telling me, for the most part, are not sleep paralysis experiences. For instance, the the flannel man witnesses, their variances No, I was awake, I was moving, you know, I was upright, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and that would be interesting to see if there's some sort of percentage out there as to how many people get it. Because I've heard a lot, too, in my circles around here of people having sleep paralysis and I know a couple of my friends and I were talking about it just the other day and I don't know like it's it's a really good tool as well to use for like going into lucid dreaming and stuff but yeah the fear part of the brain is it, it that's really hard to get over yeah <laughs> to, that's a, I have
3: some uh some friends who are into, you know, OBs and, and lucid dreaming mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And, and they're like, use that sleep paralysis. And it, it hasn't happened to me in, in many, many years. Um, right. I'm like, I, I'll try. <laughs> you know, I don't know at the, at the, if I'll be able to at the time. Crystal, thank you so much. And yeah. um, keep in touch and, and let us know if anything else strange happens.
0: Oh, for sure. Thank you.
3: did want to mention that the music in this episode in the section with troy was all done by troy Schaefer. that's all his music usually it's stone breath or me that makes all the music for the shows but in this episode troy was kind enough to provide not just the audio clips and the kind of sound art he made but also some of the music we used so thank you troy for that And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Except this episode, like I said. The music during Troy's segment was done by Troy. Thank you, Troy. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there as
5: well.
4: Jumps, of Oh, I have grave me For twist of thorn